Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. With him through his son. Uh, if you have a sermon outline, you'll see what it is entitled. It's entitled, The Lord's Supper Calls Us. We had a rule at my house when I was growing up. could be late for a lot of things, but I could not be late for supper. didn't make any difference where I was or what I was doing. I knew I needed to be at home at 5.30 sharp because that's when we ate dinner. That's about the time my dad got home. I don't know how he got all the way from Woolworth and downtown Clarksville to our house, but he did it. He went in, he did two things. He washed his hands and he washed his face. Uh, I, I remember that explicitly. Seeing him wash his face, and I often wondered why he did that, never asked him, uh, but that was a part of his procedure. Uh, and all those things are part of my memory. All those things are a part of who I am. This meal that we celebrate today is a part of who I am and who I was growing up. In my life, this was a time of wonderment. I wondered what was going on as I was growing up. Uh, for many of you, uh, probably of my age and older, there was no such thing as children's church. And you sat quietly in the, in, I was about to say the stadium, you sat quietly in the auditorium, in the sanctuary, as the service was presented, and you listened and you watched. And normally I was pretty good at that, but this meal disturbed me when I was younger. When I was four and five, I had a hard time understanding it, because I thought it was really something fantastic that we had that table that sat up front. And I can remember reading those words on the table. Do this in remembrance of me. And underneath it, underneath that cloth that laid across it, were the elements that were laid there. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, but it bothered me when it came time for the meal to be passed out, for the elements to be shared. Because I could never, no matter how much I pleaded, no matter how much I begged, I could never have one of those cool little, remember how the cups used to cling against the side of the metal? Remember that sound? I can remember them hearing them go down the, the aisle. I can remember those little crackers. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a delicious cracker this morning because uh, we still got the packets. You have one in front of you today. Uh, they did, those little crackers, they didn't taste real good, I don't think. There wasn't anything about them, but there was something special about them, right? We didn't have crackers like that at our house. I don't know if you did, uh, but we never had those things except when we came to worship. As we come this morning, I want you to think about what your expectations are. That's where we're going to end up, but I want you to think about them before you start. Why have you come? What's this meal about? Why are you here? If you come expecting to be filled up by the juice in this cup, and the cracker on the top of this thing, you're in for a disappointment. Because I was sure that those were the best crackers 
and the best juice that you could ever get. And I knew it must be fantastic because my parents would not let me have any of it. But there came a day in my life when I understood that this time that we celebrate is not about crackers and juice. It's all about understanding what God has done for us. It's all about understanding the price that Jesus Christ paid for us. And the love that he demonstrated willingly because he loves every one of us in this room and all those others that will hear this message or see this message in the days to come, he loves us just simply because he does so. God so loved the world. That's right. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And that when we come to that point in time in our lives, where we understand that worship is not about showing up in a building and sitting down and waiting for the service to end, but about coming and praising God for what he has done for us. This is about remembering what Christ has done for us. The church in Corinth had forgotten everything that Paul had told them. And there's a message that Ron shared with us just a moment ago that speaks to us of what that change, what that disappointment was in Paul's life as he began to look at them and see and hear from others what was going on in the life of the church in Corinth. And the first thing we see is that the Lord's Supper calls us to examine the excesses in our lives. We talk about excesses, we're talking about things that aren't necessary, maybe something that we have too much of, uh, maybe something that we really don't need. The Lord's Supper calls us to look at our lives and see if they're full of things that we don't need, things that are excess in our life, added to our lives, things that we should be doing that we are not doing, things that we should not be doing that we are doing. And there's a call that God has for us at this table to remember what he has done for us and see if we have built up barriers between our lives and God's through our actions, as we forget, because that's the whole purpose of this meal, that we never forget what Christ has done for us. We never forget the price that he paid for each of us out of the love that was his. Those excesses in my life sometimes are overwhelming, and sometimes they, they, they separate me from what I know I should be and what I should do, because time is so precious to us. And we think, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to go there. I don't have time to spend with this individual that I need to spend. It's too much going on in my life. I've already got a full day, and how do I do things? God calls us to recognize that this very moment, what he wants is he wants our attention. Don't listen to me. Look at the words of God that he shares with us. Look at what he calls us to in this relationship that we would never forget what this meal is all about, and that we wouldn't be consumed by the things of this world. Look with me in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, 18, and you'll see some about what these excesses were about. Paul says this, In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. 
that's a heavy statement that as I was preparing this message, I really didn't think a lot about. But I thought about it in the ensuing week uh, that I've gone over it a couple times and looked at it. It's that last part of that verse 19 that trips me up. No doubt there have to be differences among you to so which of you have God's approval. In our lives, the divisions that come into them come there not from God for sure, because God is not about division. God is about multiplication. Uh, and I'm no mathematician, but I can understand the basic principles between those two different uh, uh, applications of what God's given us. And in my life, I see that those divisions come all the time on a regular basis. They are always there ready to have me look at someone, to hear someone, to talk with someone, and think these kinds of things. Well, I can't believe you said that. I can't think that you'd have this kind of attitude. How, what are you? I'm going to use the bad word. Everybody knows what the bad word is. Starts with a S and ends with a P. And we don't ever say the word stupid in our house. Although Karen thinks it a lot, I think, when she deals with me. We look at our lives and we think about what those divisions are about. They are about trivial things, normally. Things that really don't amount to much. Things are not that grand. It's not like someone uh, shot someone or somebody ran over somebody with a car. They're about the things that we say and the things that we do. You know what that word divisions is in the Greek? It's the word schism. And the English language takes that right from the Greek word schism. You know what a schism is? It is a division. It's a division that comes that makes us less than what we're supposed to be. It's a division that creates separation in our lives from the people maybe that we love the most and causes that break in the bond that is to be ours as the body of Christ. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, you guys are messing up big time because this division is something I'm hearing about. It's something I'm hearing about people talking about people I love and care for. Those divisions are something that impact each of our lives. That word, schism, is only used a handful of times in, in the New Testament. It's used in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, schisms, and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings that you've learned. Keep away from them. What do you think he's talking about them? Is that a personal them or is it the teachings? I'll let you all decide that. For such people, there you go, Paul just gave us the answer, didn't he? For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they, deserve the, excuse me, they deceive the minds of naive people. There's a call for us to recognize what divisions do to the body. You need to know this. As I was preparing this message, I've used this in the past on a couple of occasions. I don't see divisions in this body. 
If there are, I was about to say, you're doing a good job of fooling me. But normally, you become aware of those things pretty quickly. But in our lives, if we're not careful, what does it take for a division to begin to come? When we first moved to our house, there was a small crack that was in our patio in the backyard. You know what's happened over the last six years? That crack has grown. One small crack. God's Word tells us one small crack, and there's something that is awry with the body. It's not about looking at somebody else's life. It's not about me, and thank God for Karen's putting up with me as often as she does, but it's not about the problems that we have. It's the problems that I have, that I am called to examine my life. I'm called to look at my life and see if there are divisions that are coming. There are things that are coming into my life that I know are not what God would have me do or God would have me be. And to leave those things behind and no longer allow them to rule my life or reign. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says this. This is to the same church. This is not to the church in Rome. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be, <clears throat> there may be no divisions among you and that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. What's the aim? What's the goal? I'm looking at Jeff right now, and I'm thinking, on the, I can look over to Angela, I can look at Ron, I start looking around, I see, I know you guys, I know who our search committee is. Y'all agree on everything? Do you always agree on everything that you say? The answer to that is, thank you very, did you see Angela? You know what the answer to that is? We are not intended to agree with one another on everything. God has created us each differently, and he gives us each different talents, and he gives us each different approaches to situations and circumstances. And there's a call in our lives to recognize that we are all different. But what happens? God says this through Paul in both his letters to the Romans and to the Corinthians. Just as there are many parts of the body and not all the parts have the same function, so we who are in Christ are one. What happens if we create and take that problem and make it worse? What do we have? Think about that. Think about what God tells us through that word. We are two. Is that right? Maybe we're four. I don't know much about math. Karen is truly the mathematician in our family. But I know this. I know that division makes things smaller Multiplication makes things larger. And we are called to multiply. We are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're called to share the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. We're called to share that forgiveness and that mercy that God shares with each of us in a world that doesn't have any idea what those words mean. There's a call that God has for each of us this morning to look at our lives and see how we're dealing with these issues. These issues in our lives that would keep us from doing what we've been called to do. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty one 21 says this. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else 
One remains hungry, the other gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink? Do you not despise the church, excuse me, the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. There's a call and a message for each of us to look to see what this meal means to us. We miss something. When we pick up our, when we pick up our elements as we come in on Sunday morning, Remember what I told you about that clinking? How do we do that normally? We pass from one person to the next. Each one of us serving and being served in the process. You watch. You watch how we work this morning as we share the elements. I may share all the elements with each of the deacons that are up here, but guess what happens? That last deacon I come to, he shares with me. The responsibilities that we have are to look at our lives and see what, the, what those excesses are that are there. To evaluate each of our hearts this morning and see if the love of Jesus Christ is filling our heart or whether our desire and purpose is there on the throne. If that's the case, this is a time for each of us to get on our knees and pray to God for his forgiveness for us, that we would understand what true mercy is all about by exhibiting it, that we would demonstrate what true love is about by sharing it with one another that's the process of multiplication. That's the process where we take what God has given us and we make it something greater than what it is. This morning, we're called to examine our lives for the excesses that lay there. Secondly, the Lord's Supper calls us to examine the elements. Look with me in verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See if I can find it here. There it is. Any of you recognize what this is? I think Nick's got a copy of it. There you go. Ever seen that before? It's a periodic table, all right? There's a message that it holds. There's 118 elements, give or take. I don't think it's give. I think there are a couple maybe extra that they don't mention that they're they don't figure they're really significant enough. You take a look at what these things are, all the way from argon to xenon, and you look and you see that they are different parts of what we are. They are different parts of what we are, literally. These elements are what make us up. 
That's the call that this meal has for us. That each one of us who are here, who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have made him Lord of our lives, are called to examine not the person sitting beside us, not the person sitting in front of us or behind us, but to examine our lives and see what it is that makes us up on the molecular level. Down at the basis of who we are and what we are, it is all seen and known by those people around us by the way that we behave. I hate to say that. That sounds like my mother uh, talking to me. Can you hear that, right? Bob, you need to behave now. The way we live our lives. And when people look at us and say, you're a Christian, how come you said that? Why'd you do that? Why are you thinking that? Why are you acting that way? Why are you being so hateful? There's a call that God has for us to examine our very nature, who and what we are. And what we are is that we are sons and daughters of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the one, as Nick said already at the beginning of our service this morning, he is the one who paid the price for our sins. He is the one who is the propitiation. That's that big group. That's a big word, all right? All it means is he's the payment. He paid the price for your sins and mine, that we might be right with God. What separates us from God? Anybody know? The sin that's in our lives. God can't stand to see it. He calls us to be holy. Why does he call us to be holy? He says so in his word, be holy as I am holy. How do we go about doing that? I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be caring, right? <sighs> That's over with. Now I feel much better, right? Is that how we do it? We do it through the ends filling of the Spirit. Amen. Just like happened in the book of Acts. Remember what happened? When the Holy Spirit filled that room, a mighty rushing came in, and the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Those believers' lives were changed as they emptied themselves and were filled by God. Is the church in Corinth doing that? <coughs> Paul says, no way. Right, am I proud of you on this count? That's what he asked. There's a, when I hear those words, when he says that, I think about my life. And I think about the Lord asking me, Bob, are you proud of what you did? Are you proud of what you said? Are you proud of how you said it? Are you proud of what you were thinking about? Are you proud of that? I'm not. There's a call for each of us to recognize what it means to come to the Father, to give our lives to Him. 1 Corinthians 1, 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the de through his death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In this little cup, that later on you're going to have, Charlie, 
You need to know this. Love Charlie. All right, Charlie, I don't see you. I know you're in here someplace. You know what Charlie does for me? He peels back that top layer so I can get at the first one. On my, without, with his help. That's how I can do it. So I get the first one done. Underneath that little sheet right there is the wafer that we'll eat in a minute. What does Christ's body represent? Represents that which was given for us. He is the propitiation. He is the payment. He is the gift that was presented not by us, what do we bring? We bring offerings of lambs, of doves, of oxen. Wait a minute, that's a couple of centuries ago, wasn't it? We bring offerings. We work in the food pantry. We work around the building. We teach a Sunday school class. We lead to music. We sing in the choir. Are those our offerings? Or are those just opportunities for us to demonstrate what God's love is about through our offering our lives and saying, Lord, here it is. You just take it and use it. God calls us to recognize that, that first element. The second element is the blood of Christ, for there is no forgiveness of sin unless there's been the shedding of blood, unless the price has been paid. That's the message that Christ calls us to understand. That's the message that the church in Corinth didn't get. Did you hear what was happening with them earlier? People would come and they would pig out. That's the best way to do it. Probably not for Jews. Probably wouldn't be a good idea for most of them to use that term. But, but the message was that they just ate to their full. But what happened in the same light? There were people there that were starving. They didn't have anything. And now somebody's sitting down next to me telling me what a great meal he had, and I haven't eaten in two days. We sit in a place in this community where we have opportunity to share with people that are struggling in their lives. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. It doesn't make any difference how you come this morning. We all are called to come and empty our lives that God might fill us with his person. That we might never forget the price that has been paid for us on Calvary's cross as Jesus Christ died for our sins. And his blood ran down red, just like us. It ran down red, and it covers the sins that are ours. Just like what happened in the book of Exodus. When God said, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. You stay in your house. You make your sacrifice. And you take the blood and you paint it on the lintel. You paint it on the door frame. And when that angel of death comes by, he'll see the message. He'll understand it. These are mine. Pass by. We do the same thing in Jesus Christ, don't we? It's not about wearing a cross. It's not about carrying around grape juice and crackers with us every place we go. It's about saying, Jesus Christ, I give my life to you because you gave your life for me. And I yield my life, I yield my heart, I yield my all because I know you love me. And I claim you right this moment as Lord of my life and Savior of my life. 
And I ask you to lead and guide and direct me in everything I say and do. That's what the blood of Christ does for us. That's the price that has been paid for us in God's love and in that relationship we have. This is not about crackers and juice. It's about recognizing what God has done for us and his love for us, a reminder of that price. There's an old preacher story that I've told for years. It's a story of a family that lived on a farm generations ago. You know the road was dirt because you say generations ago. Nobody ever came by that farm on a regular basis unless they came by on a wagon. But cars were beginning to come into the community. And one day, one of the younger sons was riding his bicycle across that road, and he was struck by the car that was passing. His bike was mangled, but so was he, and he died. The older brother tells the story this way. He says, I never had seen my daddy cry before that day, but he said, I remember my dad picking him up and carrying him into the house. And then he said it was a little while later, he came out and he picked up the remains of that bike and he found a place in the barn that was kind of out of the way and he put that bike in the barn. Years later, the younger brother said this. He said, I remember seeing my dad every now and then. He'd go in the barn and he would see that bike and tears would flow from his eyes. It was a constant reminder to him of what had been given away, of the price that had been paid there. That's what this meal is about. That we come to this time and place that we never forget. We always remember. It ought to be a constant reminder to us of God's love for us. That we see in him <clears throat> that's Jesus, our Savior, the one who has given his all for us. We're called to examine our excesses, or the elements that are before us. And finally, the Lord's Supper calls us to examine our expectations. I've asked you this before. What did you expect when you came in this morning? Did you expect to have a young, good-looking preacher? Well, good luck with that. Did you expect God just to be here, and you thank him for his presence, you can be assured of that. Did you come expecting for God to change you? From this point on, never forgetting what he's done for you. Look at verse 26 again, if you would please, with me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's two things that are going on there. This is a celebration of Christ's death. But did you hear the second part of that? We are to live our lives in anticipation of the fact that Jesus promises each of us, as he promised his disciples over 2,000 years ago, this, this message about what it's about to know and love him. 
John 14, 1. This ought to be a passage that when you're struggling, when you're having trials and troubles, you go to this passage and see what Jesus says to us. It's the same thing he said to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going there now to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, <clears throat> I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be also where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's our hope. That's our promise. That's our life. We're called to each examine our hearts this morning, to look at them in depth and see how we stand before the Lord. If you don't know him, what better way to show that than to trust him and his son as the payment for your sins than to give your life and heart to him this morning and say, Jesus, I recognize I'm helplessly lost without you. And I give my life to you this morning. I give my all to you. If you've done that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, it's called for us to examine our lives and see how we stand before the Father. Do we stand in the power and the strength of Jesus or are we doing it all on our own? Christ calls us to take those lives he's given us and to yield them to him and he'll do great things through our lives and in our lives. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for what it means to understand the personal relationship we can have with you through your son's sacrifice. Because we see you face to face in him. Help us, Father, to understand what it means not to have to worry about the sins that we've committed, not to have to worry about the sins that we are committing, not to have to worry about the sins that we will continue to commit, Father, but to turn them all over to you and recognize that you're able to forgive them all. It doesn't give us carte blanche to do anything we want. Father, you tell us that. What it does mean is that we can recognize what it means for us not to bear that burden any longer. We thank you for that kind of forgiveness, and we thank you for that kind of love, for it comes to us through your son Jesus, and we thank you for him this morning. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.